0: They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Hey, we're back. Welcome to the Bible with the Barbers. As soon as we get my wife's microphone on, you'll hear her. <laughs> I'm here. Oh, you're there. are Mary Danielle. God bless you. And I want to welcome all of our new listeners to the Bible with the Barbers. Just finished the Terry and Jesse show. So Mary, let's get, let's man, we, that was fun having you at the Terry and Jesse show. So I get another hour with you. I'm all ears.
2: There you go. Well, we got this. We have this gospel today from Matthew twenty-five, one through thirteen. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, we'll, we'll go ahead and read the gospel because we, we may have new listeners here. So it right. doesn't hurt to read it again. It's the, nope. the, the word of God is living and effective. So we want, we want to be living and effective in our lives. Amen. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them. But the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since, all, since the bridegroom was delayed, was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight a cry arose, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, for there may not be enough for us and you. "'Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourself.' While they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into the wedding. Then the door was locked. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, "'Lord, Lord, open the door for us.' But he said in reply, "'Amen, I say to you, "'I do not know you. "'Therefore stay awake.' you know neither the day nor the hour the gospel of the lord
1: praise to you lord jesus christ
2: and again this gospel is about vigilance this constant vigilance you know we have this uh, passage in uh, paul's letter it says um well pray always in everything give thanks Mm -hmm. Um, rejoice rejoice evermore pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks rejoice evermore pray without ceasing and that's what where does he get this idea well jesus said that you know how often do we pray pray always (laughs) pray without ceasing Yeah. pray without ceasing and it's like well wait a minute lord we have to work we have to you know plant our crops or back in the day plant our crops or go to work do our job well so how do we pray always Mm. and this is something terry's talked about often and and has in his book in his book um how to share your faith with anyone a whole chapter on living in the presence of god Being conscious of the fact that God is aware of us always. He's always present to us. If he forgot us for the smallest part of a second, we would cease to be. That's right. It's only that he's always thinking of us that keeps us in existence. He is always loving us by the way. He's not thinking us like, like a slave master who's waiting to see us step out of line so we can beat us up. He's a father who loves his children and he wants to bestow blessings and gracings upon them. But are we asking him? Are we turning to him? Are we trusting him? Do we even think he can take care of us? Mm. Do we even believe that anymore? Well, stay awake. Stay awake and pray and pray always. Live in the presence of God, this constant yeah. practice of the presence of God to be aware of his presence, to acknowledge his presence and to be present to him. To remember when I get up in the morning, you know, this is a brand new day yeah. and God has given you, you've given me this day, Lord. And this day is a gift. And every moment of this day is a gift. Every beat of my heart is a gift. Every pulsation of all the pulsating systems in my body is a gift. Every breath I take is a gift. So may every heartbeat be an act of love. Every pulsation an act of thanksgiving. Every breath an act of union of my will with thine. Is our will united to the Lord? And how does this apply with the virgins? Well, you have these virgins, you know, they've gone to a wedding feast. And of course the Jewish wedding feast, as we've explained before, but it bears repeating. Mm -hmm. The Jewish wedding feast wasn't like the ones we experience. First, there was the betrothal. And the betrothal was an actual marriage. As a matter of fact, if you were betrothed to someone, you had to write a decree of divorce if you decided you didn't want to go through with the full marriage and the consummation of the marriage. It was considered marriage. But the bride lived at her father's house until the time when the groom would get the home ready for the bride and groom. And when he was ready, then he would come and collect his bride. Mm-hmm. So, the, the, the okay, the time is the groom was sent out the word. The home was ready. I'm going to come collect my bride. So the bridesmaids are there. They're waiting for the groom to arrive. They're going to accompany the groom to the bride's house to the bride's father's house yeah and then the groom they will pick up the bride and then they, they will walk back to the groom the house that the groom has built for he and his bride and then they will celebrate there and the, the celebration goes on for seven days we don't do wedding feasts like that anymore we don't do anything like that anymore, no you know? it's like ha, huh, we get one one day for a wedding and one day for a funeral and boom that's it you know it's like wait a minute bye, woo! slow down it's like that that priest that we talked about on the jesse show yeah. today you know everything has to be in a hurry everything has to be in a hurry yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that was was funny because the, the priest what he did is he challenged god that prayer he started to talk to god in his heart and he said well if you're really real god why don't you stop me <laughs> and god's like he said three times i heard god say to me are you do you know what you're asking and he said yes <laughs> What he didn't know is what would happen, how how God would what God would have to do to slow him down. And sometimes we don't realize that. What is God going to have to do to slow us down? But are we going too fast? So these virgins, you have five that are wise and five that are foolish. You have five that ran out of the house without provision. They came to meet the bridegroom, but they don't have any extra oil. So if the bridegroom tends to, takes any extra time, uh, they're going to be left short. And you have five that have prepared. Yep. They have prepared themselves. They've worked at it. Now, According to the fathers of the church, what this oil is, this oil are this oil is the good works that we do. Right. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. These Catholics again—they're talking about good works. Well, here's the deal. And this was—if you heard the, the um, Gary Machuda Gary Matuda show. show today, with, with and Ken Hensley. Ken Hensley was gorgeous and, and beautiful, just explaining that you know sometimes we miss things in the scriptures. And we can look at things with blinders on. He talked about, you know, Richard Dawkins. If if Richard Dawkins was in a room and he saw Jesus rise from the dead, he would say, well, let's just give the scientists enough time they'll be able to explain it. Huh. You know, if Richard Dawkins walked by a statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary and she spoke to him, he'd say, well, let's just get, you know, I, there, there's got to be a natural explanation. I'll find it, just give me enough time. Well, you know, blinders on. Are we reading the scriptures with blinders on? And so becoming a Catholic took the blinders off Ken Hensley and all of a sudden he saw that in the Old Testament, when God made a covenant with something, he gave them a work to do. Adam was supposed to till the garden and guard it. His sin was that he didn't. He didn't do that. He didn't guard the garden and he gave in to, to the devil and, and and he lost. let his trust in God die in his heart. When God called Noah, Noah had to build an ark. <laughs> he had to build an ark. You know, Read it. Go back and read the size of the ark and figure it out, you know. If 50 cubits, a cubit was the measurement from a man's elbow to his to the end of his fingers, I believe. Mm -hmm. You know, it was huge. And then he had to cover it with pitch. So it was waterproof and he had to collect all these animals. Of course, God helped him with everything. But nonetheless, he and his sons had a lot of work to do. It wasn't just a matter of, um, oh, I believe Lord. okay. And then when the rains come, God's floating them along. No, they had to build the ark. When Abraham was called by God, Abraham had to leave Ur of the Chaldees. And he made a lot of mistakes along the way. You know, he didn't do everything perfectly. He made lots of mistakes. And, you know, he didn't always wait on God's time either. He kind of messed up there too. But God is forgiving. But they still had to work. There was work they had to do. And Jesus, when he talks about the last judgment, he says, I will say to those on my left, those who are going out of his sight and into the everlasting fire for eternity to be in hell with the devil, I was hungry and you wouldn't feed me. I was thirsty and you wouldn't give me to drink. I was naked and you wouldn't clothe me. I was homeless and you wouldn't shelter me. I was in prison or sick and you wouldn't visit me. And to the ones on the right, he'll say, I was hungry and you fed me. The ones who are going to heaven. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you sheltered me. I was in prison or sick and you visited me. And both groups will say, when, Lord? And the Lord will say, whatever you did for the least of my brothers, whatever you did, you did for me. And he's not going to say, you believed in me, you called on my name, so therefore you come to heaven. He's going to say, no, these are the things. So there's works we have to do. And the fathers of the church said that this parable of the virgins is about, have we done the works that God has placed in our hands to do? That we might accomplish any good work, Lord, that you have prepared for us to do. And it is the Lord who is prepared. Remember, St. Paul says, God is the one who inspires you any degree of desire or accomplishment. So we believe in God. And because we believe in God, we reverence all of his children. And because we do that we love them the way god loves them and so we serve them and this is what the virgins were supposed to do they were supposed to have prepared through good works the oils now in the you know in the historical context it's a, it's a simple story of there's a wedding feast and five virgins were wise they prepared ahead of time and five were foolish they didn't prepare ahead of time that's the literal historical meaning there but, but in terms of the moral meaning for us and is, yes, and again, for us, we have to prepare ahead of time. I don't know the moment of my death. I have a niece who's 33 years old. I believe she's 33. She might be 34. And she's in critical condition right now. No, she doesn't have COVID. She has something else, okay? Uh, she has something called Stills disease. And she's been in critical condition several times in the last year because of this disease. She could die today. And I beg God that she doesn't. She has two children. They're teenagers, I think, both teenagers at this point, and her husband. It would be very hard on them. And please, God, she'll come through this. But she could die today. When I was in sixth grade, Stephanie Lumberg died of meningitis. She was my sister Jackie's best friend. She was in eighth grade. She was an eighth grader at my school. She died of meningitis. A year later, her brother Peter died in Vietnam. He was 22 years old. Eight years later, their brother Larry was shot in Los Angeles. He was 16 at the time. Death is no respecter of age. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. None of us knows the day or the hour. And so we have to be ready at all times. Are we ready? Are we living in the state of grace? Are we doing the good that God has inspired us to do today? Well, there's that music. Don't go away. We want to come back. We want to talk about wisdom. And what is this wisdom that these virgins had? And how do we gain that? And where do we read about it in Scripture? We'll be back with more from Bible, from the Bar- with, the Bible. Bible with the Barbers. On Bible with the Barbers. <laughs> On this Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
0: Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. As Mary was discussing, Matthew chapter twenty-five, verse one to thirteen, about the bridegroom, it made me think of a prayer from Saint Ignatius of Loyola, the Spiritual Exercises, because we want to have our, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we're ready with our lamps. It's a, it's doing God's will in life. And here's what the prayer says: Teach us to be generous, good Lord. Teach us to serve as you deserve, to give and not to count the cost, to fight and not to heed the wounds, to toil and not to seek for rest, to labor and not to ask for any reward, save that of knowing we do your will. Amen. Amen. Mary mentioned earlier in the segment about a young man that we talked about who became a Catholic priest after a very serious motorcycle accident. There was one other element that... You know, God spoke to him in his near-death experience. But here's the kicker. The chaplain who worked with him while he was on in the hospital bed, who gave him great advice, ended up uh, teaching a class at the seminary when he was in the seminary. Small world, right? <laughs> well, he gets ordained as a Catholic priest, and the bishop sends him to the very hospital that he was administering, by this priest as a chaplain for the hospital wow. so now here this young priest is now on the other side of the table yeah. he was the patient before yeah, he's... now he's the chaplain ministering to people in the hospital the reason i bring that up is i think it kind of ties into the oil of the oil lamps in the gospel of matthew chapter 25 and i think it's a prayer that we can all ask because there's nothing more fulfilling than knowing that you're doing the will of God. Amen. And that young man, as a Catholic priest, is fulfilled by doing the will of God in his duty. All of us have duties in our state in life. Yeah. All of us need the oil. So I just wanted to share the story completely about the young priest. Not only did he recover from this near-death accident and become a Catholic priest, but he goes back to the same hospital now as a chaplain. Do you think it could be passed on? Absolutely. Go ahead,
2: Mary. Amen. Amen. And and we have here, um, you know, Jesus is the, the, again, Father. Now, how again. does Father fill up his Father fills up his um, his his, his the, the 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 reserve oil? He has that. That's the the service he gives in the name of Christ to his brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're talking about. This is why you know Jesus gave us that that. The last judgment explained to us that the last judgment, you know, the, the works that we do, it doesn't earn us. We're not trying to earn salvation. Catholics are not trying to earn salvation. If they are, they're mistaken. Whether it's not, we couldn't possibly earn salvation. Salvation is a free gift. And the deal is, but we have to be ready to accept from the Lord what he wants to give. And are we ready? And, you know, there are things that are going to interfere with us being able to accept what the Lord gives. So in addition to the gospel today, we want to look at the first reading from St. Paul's letter, his first letter to the Thessalonians, Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8, mm-hmm. where he says, Brothers and sisters, we earnestly ask and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you should conduct yourselves to please God, and as you are conducting yourselves, you do so even more for you know what instruction we gave you through the Lord Jesus. This is the will of God, your holiness. Mm. This is the will of God, your holiness, that you refrain from immorality, that each of you know how to acquire a wife for himself in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion as do the Gentiles who do not know God, not to take advantage or exploit a brother or sister in this manner. For the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you before and solemnly affirmed, for God did not call us to impurity, but to holiness. Therefore, whoever degrades this degrades not a human being excuse me whoever disregards this whoever disregards this disregards not a human being but god who also gives his holy spirit to you the word of the lord thanks be to god which is holy and what is paul telling us well first of all he said we taught you how to conduct yourselves in a way to be pleasing to god so conduct yourself so, so as to please God. It makes God happy when we do what's good. Amen. God, God is, but the, the saints said God is pleasantly surprised when we're obedient and follow the commandments, but it pleases him that we do that. You know, when you love someone, you want to please them, right? Right. Have we fallen in love with God? Do we desire to please him? This is the difference between Christianity and, every, and the other religions. We want to please God because he loves us. We want to love him in return. And we can ask him to lend us his love with which to love him. We can also ask Jesus to lend us his own heart with which to love our neighbor. Right. But, But the deal is we're supposed to conduct ourselves in a way that pleases God. And Paul affirms that the Thessalonians are already conducting themselves that way. But he says, do so or even more. So it's not, it's not, okay, well, I'm already conducting myself in a way that's pleasing to God, so I'm done. I don't have to, no, we have to continue to progress. We have to continue to strive. The spiritual life is an arduous task. Mm-hmm. Living in the will of God is an arduous task. By the way, this is what, is, is, what acedia is. Acedia, you know, this, this uh, spiritual disease of acedia is that sadness that we feel when we find out that the spiritual life is an arduous task, that we have to work at it hard. And it's like, but I don't want to work hard. I just want to sit down and have a welfare check, and and God's going to do everything, and I don't have to do anything. Well, no, that's, you know, I think that's what they call the quietism. Was that the thing you say? Quietism? You know, God's going to do everything, I don't have to know. We have to be arduous in our faith. We have to be arduous in our task of pleasing God, of striving every day to please Him more and more, to give Him more and more of ourselves and our time. Okay? And and so we've this is the instruction Paul's given, and then he goes on to talk about what. This is the will of God, your holiness. Mm. And and how does this this ties in? Because the, the the reading from the gospel was about the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. Well, what's the difference? The wise virgins virgins have striven to grow in that life and have ma- stored up reserves for themselves, for hard times. And so they're ready to do the will of God in every moment. This is wisdom. This is wisdom to do the will of God. And God's will is your holiness. You know, this idea that sanctity, you know, we talk about, oh, saints. Well, I couldn't be a saint. Oh, that person could be a saint. You know, no, you know what? Sanctity is not the option of the few to quote St. Teresa of Calcutta. Yeah, it's the simple duty of us all. We're all called to live in union with God. Sanctity, very simply, I remember in college, I said to a pre well, I know God is calling me to be a saint. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, what does it mean to be a saint? And I'm thinking, I don't know. Because to me, personally, at that time, I thought, well, being a saint means you, you follow the example of the saints. You do what the saints did. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. What if you're not a Therese of who's called to a convent? Um, you know, you're, you're not called to be a priest. You're not called to be a nun. So how do you do what the saints did? Um, and Father looked at me and he said, being a saint means to live in union with God. Amen. It's been years since Father said that to me. Yeah, <laughs> Over 22 years, I believe, maybe 22 years. And I'm still striving. And we, we strive all of our lives. But you know what? God is pleased with our striving. That's it. And, and we were listening this morning to um, Father Newhouse, right?
1: Oh, yeah. An old interview from 25 years ago.
2: An old interview from 25 years ago. And he was talking about this idea. You know, we think we have to be strong. We have to be virtuous and we have to show God that we're worthy of him. No, God is attracted to our weakness. Father Mm -hmm. Newhouse was pointing out. It doesn't bother God that we're human and that we make mistakes. And he didn't desert Abraham because Abraham screwed up all over the place. (laughs) He didn't desert David. He didn't desert Moses when he made mistakes. No, God knows that we're going to make mistakes. We're human. By the way, to error is human, not just fallen human. You know, Adam and Eve were in, created in the state of grace, created in the state of perfection, and they made a mistake. <laughs> they, made a, they let their, their trust in God yep. die in their heart. That's what caused the fall. To error is human. Oh. We're not God. Exactly. Only God doesn't error. Okay? Well said. And so wisdom is this... Living in union with God, and we're all called to holiness. And by the way, what did Thomas Aquinas said? He said, you want to be a saint? Will it. And that doesn't mean you feel it. It means to will say, Lord, I want to do your will. I set my will to do your will. Make me the saint you called me to be. It's as simple as asking, but persevere in the asking. Don't give up. Like the wise virgins who already were prepared in case the bridegroom was late. They already had a reserve of oil. And they couldn't share their oil with anyone else because they didn't know how much they were going to need to use. Because even though they said the bridegroom is coming, well, yeah, he's coming now. So he may get here in an hour. He may get here in five minutes. So no, you're going to have to run off and get your own oil because I don't have enough to share with you. And this is a reality. I can't carry anyone else to heaven. I can say yes to God for myself. I can't even carry my own children or my husband. Now, I pray every day. My husband and I are because we're married, our sanctity and our our sanctification is tied up with each other. Mm -hmm. But we strive every day to live in the presence of God and to live in union with God. This is the wisdom of God, to know that we are his creatures. And it's okay to be a creature dependent on him. He made us dependent on him. He made us so that we could depend on him. It doesn't bother him. He wants us to know that we're weak. And we're little. And he desires to help us. He knows who we are. He knows of what we are made. That's right.
1: You know, Mary, just to jump in, I think of St. Francis of Assisi and the simplicity of his life and how he did the will of God. And he had that prayer that everyone in the world has heard. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope where there is darkness light and where there's sadness joy and i think of self-abandonment you talked about that just a minute ago that you know how do we get into union with god it's by by giving ourselves to him and i think you mentioned earlier that are you know why don't we do that because some of us still think god isn't big enough to take care of us <laughs> what god's big enough but we he's waiting for our free will to choose him. Exactly. See, he's not going to force this on you. Force it. See, like Bishop Sheen says, every action is like a blank check. If Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. And Mary, the scripture verses that you're referring to are just so profound for us today because fear is what's driving our culture. Yeah. Now, when we come back, we'll continue on this theme of the gospel of matthew and continue to share stories continue to share inspiration that helps you fall deep in love with jesus christ and his pride the church don't forget mary's going to be at the st joseph conference the 18th of september join her and, Father her and others by calling 877-526-215 we'll be right back
0: Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
2: Thank you, thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, August the 27th, the Feast of St. Monica. Who, by the way, is a very good example of what we're talking about today. This living the wisdom of God, this living in the union with God, that the virgins in the, in the gospel who took oil in their lamps, the uh, reading from Thessalonians where, where we're told that uh, we're supposed to live um, in a manner that pleases God and that we're supposed to live in holiness and morality, mm-hmm. that it, we're supposed to shun in mora- immorality because it's offensive to God. It degrades us as human beings. And specifically, he's, he's talking about unchastity and, and the sanctity of marriage in this pe- passage from Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8, where one man and one woman for life are committed to each other. And anything outside of that, when we sin, when we commit sins of unchastity, we are sinning against our own bodies and we're degrading ourselves as human beings. And so St. Monica was a saint who showed us this living in union with God and his will. Monica married, a, a she was a Christian, but she married a, a pagan. Um, and I don't know the history of how that all happened. But in those days, there were Christians who married pagans. And as long as the pagan didn't interfere with the, the practice of your faith, that marriage was considered legitimate and you were just stayed married to them. And she was faithful to her husband. And um, they had three children. And the oldest was Augustine. He was very intelligent. And Augustine was a rebel so she but she prayed she couldn't have her children baptized because her husband was a pagan she prayed for her husband and she prayed for her children and eventually on his deathbed her husband was baptized patricius and she continued to pray for augustine and when augustine got to be an adult um he lived an immoral life he 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 and and he you know, he, you can read his confessions, the confessions of St. Augustine. They don't lead you into sin. They just name the sins, and then they show you how God in his mercy pursued Augustine and, and brought him back to himself, brought him to himself. So Augustine wasn't baptized till he was 33 years old. But Monica prayed for Augustine, and she followed him. He eventually went to Milan, Italy, and there was a bishop in Milan. His name was Ambrose, and Ambrose became a saint. He's a saint of the Catholic Church and a doctor of the Church. And Monica went to to Ambrose, he was the Bishop of Milan, and she cried, and she wept, and she's, and and Ambrose told her, he said, Monica, you need to calm down and trust, just keep trusting the Lord, the son of so many tears could not possibly be lost. (laughs) Amen. So she continued to pray and pursue Augustine, and and pray for his conversion, and at one point, he was a Manichaean, he he believed in the Manichaean heresy of, of, there are these, um, there's a good God and a bad God, you know, uh, Star Wars. Star Wars wasn't, they didn't break it up. But the the guy who wrote Star Wars didn't come up with the idea. It was just the old Manichaean <laughs> heresy revisited that you have the, the force and you have the light side of the force and the dark side of the force. Yep. And when, when the light side of the force is stronger, then it then there's good in the world. And when the dark side of the force is stronger, then there's bad in the world. And it's just the old Manichaean heresy. You know, we have the good and the bad and, and the ugly. And But the deal is... Um, Monica had a dream and she told Augustine, she said, she said, God gave me a dream. And in my dream, he said that he will be where you are. And Augustine, who was very, very intelligent, said to his mother, "Ah, you see, you're going to become a manichae mother. And Monica said back to him, no, God didn't say where he is, you will be. God said where you are, he will be. And I'm a Christian, so you will become a Christian. And she continued to pray. And finally, when he was 33 years old, he was baptized. Mm. And what happened was when he started asking questions, intelligent as he was, he started asking questions to the Manichees. Their philosophy was not rational. It didn't follow human reasoning. And Augustine started seeing the, the errors in it, and he started asking questions, and he found out that these guys were charlatans. They were liars. They knew that it didn't follow human reason, but they wanted to live an immoral life and justify it. So they didn't want to do any, have anything to do with Christianity, and isn't this sometimes what happens? And this is what Paul is pointing out in Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. The Christians lived in a pagan world, and there was a lot of immorality I among mean, the pagans, especially in marriage. You know, where you had a lot of immoral behavior, adultery or um, fornication, or you know, marrying close relatives, and so. The, St. Paul is telling them, no, this isn't appropriate. And Monica had to pray for her son to be freed of these errors. And she did pray, and he was freed, and he became a great saint and a doctor of the church. He's the doctor of grace because he understood that God's grace works on us so that it can move our will to do the good. But we have to respond. We have to respond. And I I, want to read from the Book of Wisdom because I think it's so important for us Mm -hmm. to go back. We're talking about wisdom and the wisdom of the virgins, and again, people think, oftentimes nowadays, people are like, well, you know, God loves us all. Everybody's going to heaven. It doesn't really matter what you do. You just have to say you love the Lord and, and that's it. And it's all good. And, and, you know, the Lutheran heresy, and it's, a, it's an error, a Lutheran error of, well, we're just dunghills covered with snow. It doesn't matter how many sins we commit. Jesus just covers it over with his blood. Well, is that really a biblical view? Let's read what it says in the book of wisdom. Love righteousness, you rulers of the earth. Love righteousness. Think of the Lord with uprightness and seek him with sincerity of heart because he is found by those who do not put him to the test and manifests himself to those who do not distrust him. For perverse thoughts separate man from God. Perverse thoughts separate man from God, and when his power is tested, it convicts the foolish. Because wisdom will not enter a deceitful soul, nor dwell in a body enslaved in sin. For holy and disciplined, for a holy and disciplined spirit will flee from deceit and will rise and depart from foolish thoughts, And will be ashamed at the approach of unrighteousness. So good morning, everybody. Are we hearing this? We're supposed to love righteousness. Okay. Wisdom won't dwell in a body enslaved in sin. Do we wonder what's wrong with our world? Do we? Hi, I'm still here. The camera's not on me. Somehow the camera moved way away from me. It's over on the other wall. It's facing the wall on my left. It's facing. So it has to turn. I
1: told the engineer.
2: Anyway, it's okay. So you're seeing, you're not seeing the camera. You're going to see the studio. I I told
1: the engineer, honey, I could see that too. They're fixing it.
2: They're they're getting a a tour of the studio. So so love righteousness. We have to love righteousness and we have to seek God with sincerity of heart. People. God knows our heart, and he knows when we're deceiving ourselves. You know, some people, they're they're just like, it's facing backwards. They think that, I don't know, people, it's like, don't talk to me about mortal sin, because I'm not guilty of mortal sin, and you have no right to judge that. Well, I can look at your actions, because we have Ten Commandments, right? And I can look at your actions and say, well, those Ten Commandments are, um, oh, I am sorry. (laughs) Anyway, those Ten Commandments are not ten suggestions. Right. They are commands from God. And he gave them to us because it's like the owner's manual. If we follow those Ten Commandments, we're going to be healthy and holy in body and soul. Mary, let
1: me let me just jump in. I got the microphone in my studio. Come on over to Studio B. I have a microphone. I know, but I mean, they can't see you. So come on over. Um, I just want to mention that uh, what Mary said about universal salvation if that is actually you know something that people are promoting, and it is unfortunately, it's one of the problems. And even in our church, some people are saying that nobody goes to hell; everybody goes straight to heaven. And so that's just not what the Catholic Church teaches. And uh, I would, uh, Mary Daniel, if you could come into our studio, we'll get you on. And so that's what I wanted to mention is that's a serious error. And uh, on our website, we have something from Saint Pope Pius the which is um a document on modernism, and uh, that document is there for you. Oh, there she is. She's back up, okay, go ahead, Mary. We can see you now, yeah, so
2: but the point is that again, yes, there's a lot of modern errors in our world, and some of those modern errors are that that god God doesn't really know what's best, and god God's you know the the Old Testament or the even the scriptures don't really apply to us now. The the scriptures, um, you know, that was for a, a simpler people who weren't so educated and so um, it, technologically advanced. Well, that's not true. You know, human beings are human beings. We're still created by God in his image, made in his image to image him in everything that we do. it That hasn't changed. That, you know, we're sinners. Uh, man sinned. Um, original sin didn't go away because of our modern technology um, the reality is is we need God's help to do good. You know, I, we had somebody um sometimes people think that uh if a family member starts living in sin that all of a sudden they're under some kind of demonic influence where they need to be exercised, that's not necessarily the case. because of original sin, we don't need the devil's help to do evil. We can do all the evil we want on our own without his help. you know it, it, um unfortunately. Uh, You know, Flip Wilson, you were wrong. The devil didn't make you do it. Um, It was a choice you made. If you didn't choose it with your will, it's not a sin. So we need informed consciences. We need to know what's right and holy and wise. We need to know how to live according to God's law. We need to live a life free of sin. And Jesus gives us the power to do that. That's what the cross is about. He gives us the power to live that life free of sin. But we have to ask for the grace we can't do any good without god's help we don't need the devil's help to do evil no we can do that on our own as a matter of fact saint john bosco um when he had his boys' schools uh, he had um he he was watching the boys one time and he saw this group of boys and the demons were were gathered around him trying to entice the boys to do evil stuff and another boy walked up to the group and the demons left And Don Bosco was given to understand that this boy had so given himself over to the demons that as long as he was in the presence, as long as this boy was in the midst of the boys, he would lead them into sin. And the demons didn't even have to help him. So, you know, it was a warning to Don Bosco. He needed to keep a closer eye on his boys and, and be more, you know, more vigilant because, yeah. All it takes is one person to say in their heart without telling anybody else. They can act, I mean, you can act wholly on the outside. Nobody knows what's going on in your heart. You're right. I, I can't convict anybody of mortal sin because a moral. in order for a sin to be mortal, a person has to freely choose it with their will. So I don't know what you've chosen with your will. And you also had to have full knowledge that it was a, a grave moral evil. Grave moral evil, full knowledge that you chose freely with your will. That's mortal sin. So that's between you and God. I can't tell you. The music, oh no, we have to take another break. Don't go away. We'll be back with more on wisdom. How can we live as wise children? Thanks for joining us on Bible with the Barbers.
0: Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
2: Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, August 27th, the Feast of St. Monica. St. Monica, a great example of that wisdom, the wise virgins who had stored up in their lamps extra oil. And of course, the extra oil is the the good works that we do, the fathers of the church tell us. And also that living in the presence of God and and, um, asking God for the graces that we need moment by moment, day by day to carry out the duties of our state in life. And then we want we're go, we We go. went into the letter of Thessalonians here. So we had the gospel of today from St. Matthew on the wise virgins. And we have Thessalonians 1, 4 through chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8, mm-hmm. where Paul is telling us that we're called to live a holy life. We're called to live a godly life and that um, sexual immorality is not living a godly life. Anyone who's living a sexually immoral life is not living a godly life. But it's not just sexual immorality. You know, there are 10 commandments. (laughs) You know, if we're we're taking them as just suggestions and maybe, oh, guidelines that we might look at once in a while, no. No, there are 10 commandments and they haven't been done away with. And we're want we looking here at the book of wisdom. This is just the very beginning of the book of wisdom. Because again, the idea that, that God could somehow be happy with us when we're sinning No. You see, sin destroys us. It degrades us and it destroys what God has made. And that doesn't make God happy. God wants us to live in freedom as his children. And he wants us to look like him. Well, God is good. God is beauty. He is truth. He is goodness. There's no lie in God. There's no room for lie or deceit. And so wisdom six goes on. Uh, We were talking about, you know, you know, the first in wisdom, one through one through six, one through five, for a holy and disciplined spirit will flee from deceit and will rise and depart from the from foolish thoughts and will be ashamed at the approach of unrighteousness, for wisdom is a kindly spirit and will not free a blasphemer from the guilt of his words, because God is witness of his inmost feelings. And a true observer of his heart and a hearer of his tongue because the spirit of the Lord has filled the world and that which holds all things together knows what is said. Therefore, no one who utters unrighteous unrighteous things will escape notice and justice when it punishes will not pass him by for inquiry will be made into the counsels of an ungodly man And a report of his words will come to the Lord to convict him of his lawless deeds. You see, in God, mercy and justice are not separate attributes, they're the same. God judges us mercifully, but his mercy is just. And he's also just, but his justice is merciful. Even the souls in hell do not get the full punishment they deserve for what they've done because God is merciful. But we don't want to end up in hell. We don't want to separate ourselves from God. So we give up sin because sin drives God out of us. And the scriptures make that very clear. Old and New Testament. Now, God cannot abide in a soul that is filled with sin. Mary, let me just
1: jump in one more time. What I heard you say is so appropriate and this was written, you know, thousand, you know, fifteen, eight, two thousand years ago. We had these gospel readings and the and the, the Saint Paul reading, and I think of Saint John Paul II in the summer of two thousand two when he met with the bishops because of the scandals in the church. Yeah. It seems like nothing new under the sun. The Saint Pope John Paul II told the bishops, guys, if we're going to turn this thing around, we have to be holy. We have to be living the life of not a debauchery scandal is what's undermining the church right and i just think that he's very biblical in that approach and this was what 19 years ago he said that and i don't think it's changed i think we're still in a situation where the bible's applying it you know this is the will of your god the will of god your holiness you should refrain for immorality inside the church outside the church This message is for everyone. Everyone. And I think about it now, especially with Cardinal McCarrick, the the summer of shame in 2018, that we really have to be having this world biblical view that you're talking about in the church right now. We have to call the church, ourselves, everyone in it, to holiness.
2: Amen. For everyone. And that's, that's the call. By our baptism... By our baptism, we are all called to live in union with God. God came to dwell in our souls. When we were baptized, God came to dwell in our souls. And he wants us to spread the good news that he wants to make all of us his dwelling place. All of us. He wants us all to be his children. We're supposed to be evangelizing the world. How can we evangelize the world if we're living an immoral life? And and you know, again, it's all ten of the commandments, you know, not just one, not just the sixth and the ninth, they're not just two. All ten of them. And we, yes, we we know that we are concerned for the poor and have to be concerned for the poor. But you know, (laughs) the world that we live in are telling the poor that the answer is to not have children. Mm -hmm. Well, excuse me, God is the one who created man. God is the one who said, Be fruitful and multiply and God be fruitful and multiply. And God is the one who said to man, to leave your father and mother and cling to your wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is what God made in the beginning. Okay. And so love and life go together in marriage. That is the union of the spouses and the good of the spouses, which their true good is their eternal salvation. So they both should be living and treating one another. We're supposed to treat one another the way we would treat Jesus Christ. We're supposed to see Jesus Christ in each other and try to serve one another and build one another up in the Lord. And then our children, we're open to children. If God blesses us with children, we receive children willingly and lovingly as God sends them as a fruit of our love in marriage. Read the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the whole section on marriage, beginning with paragraph 1601. Read it, study it, know what marriage is about and what it means. And and again, wisdom, you know, the, 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 the readings today, the first reading and the, the gospel talk about marriage. And wisdom is this living in union with God, living a life free of sin. Is this at all possible? Some people say, Oh, well, forget it. We can't live a chaste life. It's okay. God understands. Yeah, he understands. He understands that we're weak and we need his help. And he understands whether or not we're asking him for the help. Mm -hmm. Again, God knows our thoughts and he knows our every word. Read the beginning of the book of wisdom. Read the whole book of wisdom. God is love. He loves us. He desires us to be holy and to be happy, to be filled with his joy. Not just the emotion of happiness, not just a fleeting, passing titillation, true joy. You know, like the prayer for the collect for this week. Keep our hearts fixed where, there, where true joys are. We live in a passing world. We're yep. surrounded by storms. But are we fixed, our eyes focused on Jesus? Or are we focusing on ourselves and the state of the world around us? Once we take our eyes off the Lord, we no longer believe that he's strong enough to save us from the storms around us. Once we start looking at ourselves, we say, well, Will, I can't live without sin. I'm just, I'm just a miserable, wretched sinner, and I can't live without this. I can't live without sin. Well, no, people can live a chaste life, you know? <laughs> when people live, you know, get married at the age of 45 and they're virgins, guess what? They lived a chaste life and they're still living a chaste life in marriage. We live chastity according to the state in life that we live. Some people are called to be perpetual virgins. That Jesus said that in the gospel. And some people are called to marriage. But we are not supposed to engage our sexual faculty outside of the marriage bond. And in the marriage bond, we are supposed to use our sexual faculty in accord with right reason and what God has made. And that is for union and procreation with full consideration for our spouse and full consideration for the children that God may bless us with. So we're open to life and we accept life, but we have to raise up godly children. And in order to do that, we have to be living morally and not just in our sexual morality. We have to be living morally in, am I being dishonest in my business dealings? Am I being dishonest with my neighbors? Do I lie to people? Do I make up stories about people? Am I not taking care of the poor? Am I not serving where I can serve in my community where people need help? Am I just turning my back on those who are make me uncomfortable because they have needs? Maybe I can't meet all their needs. It's okay. I can do a little bit. I can do my little bit. So the wisdom of God calls us to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us, to exercise our own ability to say no to sin, to say no to ourselves and our own passions in order to live in the freedom of the children of God, to live in union with God in grace. So we ask God for the help we need. Can we do this on our own? No, we can't do any good without God's help, but God is always there to help. But again, it's an arduous task. And some people are very sad when they find out the spiritual life is an arduous task. It's like, you mean I have to work at it? Yeah, honey. It's like climbing a mountain, Scaling a mountain, as a matter of fact, is like being a rock climber. It's hard work. But you know what? God is there. He provides for us everything we need if we ask. So we need to ask. We need to ask the Lord for his grace. And we need to read his word and study his word so that his word will be living and effective in us. Because his word will change us if we allow it in. But are we even open to it?
1: Great point, Mary. I'm listening and saying, Yep, biblical worldview is always a, a good thing and you're challenging us to live a holy life and every day that's a that's a challenge in the world that we live in because the world acts like God doesn't exist. And I continually uh you know, say that how can we be part of the solution? Well, we can only be part of the solution by uniting ourselves to Jesus Christ. And the priest friend hit us these questions, and I think they're appropriate. How much time each day do we spend taking in the message of God? In other words, reading our Bible, praying, compared to taking the message of the world. That hits me right between the eyes. So I think that the Bible with the barbers, the, the studying of the Bible is so important, having a biblical view. Uh, the fear that's in the world right now is because I don't think people trust enough. Amen. So that's my take. And uh, next week we will be back. But I want to also remind everybody they can go to the conference the 18th of September. Uh, the conference will be on St. Joseph, this year of St. Joseph. Father Charles Murr will be one of the speakers. Father uh, Wozinski will be there, Stephen Wozinski from Chicago. And my wife, Mary Danielle, to joined us at the conference. Just go to vmpr.org. You can sign up there, or if you just want to call in, you can sign up by calling
2: 877-526-2151.
1: Any final thoughts,
2: Mary? I want to thank all of our listeners, all those who pray for us, all those who support us with your uh, financial donations. And um, just, you know, let's keep praying for one another and building one another in the Lord. And, and know that God is with us and that, yes, God has overcome the world. We don't Amen. have to be afraid. Do not be afraid.
1: Have a great weekend, folks. God love you.